Alright, let's go! All right, all right, Tim. Uh, what are we going to talk about? And we have to talk about Patrick Waugh. Yeah, boy, that that came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know the Islanders. Imagine the Islanders of all the of all yeah, the teams. Yeah, you would think, you know, Toronto. Not saying that keeps going to get fired or well, Ottawa. You know, yeah. they had a thing. Came, but uh, well, you never know. Like the Islanders are a bit underachievers. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got a good goalie. And they, uh, he'll get them. He'll get them going. If anybody could get them going, it should be Patrick Roy. Wow. Or as you called him on Hockey Night in Canada, Pat Roy. Pat Roy. <laughs> you were the one that said, "Well, I don't know about you, Ron, but when I was young and I used to go to the movies, I watched Roy Rogers, not Wall Rogers." <laughs> well, that went over quite well. Do you remember that? That went over yes, quite I well. Seem to put it that on your checklist of yeah. getting people upset. <laughs> Well, they won't. They, the, the team won't fall asleep because he's behind the bench. He's pretty lively. Oh, he's pretty lively, boy. And well, you got to look at it. They're they're only three points out of a playoff spot. So I look like Lamarado said we either got to make a move now, or what? I mean, because yeah. they, you know, they're they're kind of slip. They're slipping out. It's you know they're halfway through the season, so uh, they're only they're only three points out of a play out of a playoff spot, and they're only six points out of out of uh, third place. So well, anyhow the. They got Patrick Waugh, and we'll see how he does. Do you think that uh, ex-goalies make good coaches a little bit more? (laughs) I don't understand that. They don't. They don't. They don't don't make as good coaches, right? Well, I I don't understand that. The one thing is stop pucks. (laughs) (laughs) See, I would have thought that they would be analyzing the game, sitting there, standing back there by themselves, that they would have the game all figured Mm -hmm. out. But they normally, you're saying they don't make good coaches. Is that well, it? Well, I don't know. Tim doesn't think they. they... How was Jerry Cheevers? He coached the. Well, uh... he was. He used to follow me. <laughs> yeah. Well, his first coaching job was you got thrown out of the game. Yeah, and and he took over. He took I over behind the bench. That. I remember. Did wasn't he in his goalie pads? Yeah, he, he was, was like Gilly goal- was in net, so Jerry was backup. You got thrown out because. So, I, yeah, I think uh, the guy gave Dwight Foster a penalty. And you yeah, I, I said if he gives, I tell you one thing, if he gives Dwight Foster a penalty on that, there he did, and I was going, oh, I, I must have been nuts in those days. I was go, I was actually going out on the ice after the guy. You were standing on the boards. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. Well, you look at the top of boards. What maximum? What four inches? Five so, inches? Yeah. And could, you used to walk up and down. You know, I tried that. I said, I, you know, I, I, I know I used to. Geez, I, I couldn't do that like a. Like a normal, right? Like you were, you, but your adrenaline wasn't flowing. Some whatever it was, I could walk on the, I could walk on it during the game, but I couldn't. That's like, scary. After a practice or something like that, it was, it was same boots, same boots. Yeah, they, they, thin, be, yeah. Same, same things. Oh well, that's the way it goes. But it was funny seeing Jerry behind the bench with his goalie pads on, <laughs> yeah. directing traffic back there. I think he only had. Eight minutes. Left. Yeah, it was less than ten minutes ago. But yeah. dude, but as you said, you guys rolled the line so well. Well, you could have had Mickey Mouse behind the bench. 
You know what really makes me really chuckle, at, uh, I guess, when the assistant coach gets the, bu- and the, and the board out and he goes down the bed and he goes, yes, 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 yes. You go this way, you go that way. You go. They don't do this during the practice. I just I just don't understand that. Yeah, I, I think I love most of that's for sure. Like, I think like, I, there's just a lot of things where I think Canadians were trying to make it more like basketball and football. Oh, whatever. Anyhow, it seems strange to me. Well, I hope Patrick Quad does good. He earned it, and we'll have a lot of fun watching him. I know one thing. I'll be watching the games. So, Dad, we asked for questions. I think we're up to almost 600 questions now from people. And one of the questions a couple of people have asked, must be Montreal Canadian fans, Have did you meet and what do you think of Doug Harvey? Doug Harvey was one. Of, he won six Stanley Cups. He was 10. Ten times he was an All-Star. Seven times he won the Norris Trophy. Bobby Orr won it eight times. A Hockey Hall of Fame quarterback. He could be a quarterback. And he, when he get the puck, he'd, he'd just sit there. Uh, Till Blake call him a, a quarterback. And, and he got, believe this or not, he got traded. And the last year he was traded, he was an all-star. He was, the, he, well, he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he was the Norris Trophy winner. And he got traded. You know why he got traded? Because he got he was with the Players Association. He went to uh, New York Rangers, and uh, he was absolutely sensational there. He was a player coach. He was a player coach. Now, don't think that isn't tough, being a player coach. How did the fans of Montreal take it when he got traded? They must have been pretty upset. Well, he, he was an honest guy, and he used to say what he thought. Uh, it didn't go over too good. And believe it or not, he was traded because he was with the Players Association. So it was Ted Lindsay. That's why they have the Ted Lindsay Award. Like the players vote on the Ted Lindsay Award. Yeah, and, and, and Ted Lindsay actually went out and, and he was a star. Ted Lindsay was a star too. Uh, but nobody, and everybody talks about Ted Lindsay and everybody, and, and so they should. But uh, they, nobody ever talks about Doug Harvey. He'll be. He'll so be, those guys were the foundation of. Well, like, would, of Willie getting $11.5 million. If it wasn't for Ted Lindsay and Doug Harvey, that wouldn't yeah. happen. And, and Ted Lindsay, Dollard St. Laurent, Todd Sloan, Jim Thompson, it was a whole bunch of them. That, and, and every one of them got traded at the so, end of the season. So, so how did you played against him? In, again, you were in Rochester in Quebec. So how did he get to Quebec? Like, Did they just bury him in the minors then? They, just bur- they were just burying him. And uh, they wouldn't invite him back to the National Hockey League. At the end, they brought him back to St. Louis, and uh, he was with Scotty Bowman, which wasn't bad. He was, uh, he was on that team that Bobby went flying through the air. Anyhow, but I just tell, wa- tell, tell the story uh, you and I, Cindy, were talking about. You were playing against him in the playoffs in Quebec, and Joe Crozier said. Joe Crozier said, we are not winning this series. Uh, Doug Harvey keeps playing the way he's playing. He's, he's, he's a unbelievable playing. You should have seen him playing then. We just used to shake our head. And Eddie Litzenberger went out and broke his, broke his hand. Just like that. Just went out just for a shift. Wait, hit him with a stick? I, I can still see him breaking his hand. And uh, we won the series, by the way. <laughs> And, and the, I, he's like he's one of those guys, Dad. That again, I think that the NHL doesn't do a good job of promoting how good they were and like kind of what kind of builders they he'll were. He'll be forgotten in uh, another couple of years. Nobody will even, even remember. And I remember I used to go down and watch them play ball. He used to play ball. He used to play left field, and uh, 
And I remember he, he was a real good ball player, too. He was good at everything. Okay, Dad, our next question comes from Timothy from Twitter. And his question is, why did the Bruins ever get rid of Greg Shepard? He was a solid in his time playing for the Bruins. He went to Pittsburgh, I think. he. Yeah. He went to Pittsburgh for, for Dick Redmond. And that was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, ever, ever made. Dick Redman used to chew tobacco during the practice, believe it or not. And I thought, oh, the old, the old, the old boss Bruin girders are finally rusting away. And Smotsy come up, come up and said, uh, uh, it's Redman. But he was like, that was one of the funny things you got rid of Shepard because he was the guy that did everything for you. He played the power, he played the point on the power play. He killed your penalties. He took all your draws. He was a good friend of Dallas Smith, whatever it was. That was the biggest mistake I ever made. He used to take all the draws. He was a little guy, and he, he's from Battleford, Saskatchewan. Yep. Yeah? I don't know why I got rid of him. I don't. I have no idea. He used to take the power plays. He used to play the point on the power play. He played the point on the power play. He used to take all important draws. What a dumb, dumb, <laughs> stupid, dumb, what? dumb, 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 dumb move. Well, I remember the we talked about a little bit before, but uh, he had something going with Dennis Potvin the one year. Oh yeah, and I said, I remember he, he kept bothering Potvin, and I I went to him and I said, look, don't bother this guy. This guy is as mean as don't bother this guy because he used to. We never had much to do with him, and and he kept bothering him. I think um, he cut him. Oh, he cut him with the yeah. The cut, shepherd cut Potvin with a stick. And uh, I said, "Don't bother to don't stay away from him because he's a mean guy." Holy Dinah, did he hit him one time and Tore wrecked his knee. his knee? Yeah, right at the blue line. Yeah, right. What a hit! We he deserved he deserved to get what he got. We never went after Potvin because. Uh, Shepard deserved what he got. Greg Shepard, why I got rid of Greg Shepard, I have no idea. It was the dumbest move I ever made as a coach. Okay, this is from BB Fan from Twitter. Don, what do you think of Bill Belichick leaving the New England Patriots? You know, it's a funny thing. I've always said a coach should be in the National Hockey League. He should be the coach for, for five years and then get rid of him because they know your speech. They know everything that about you. They know what's going on. And and I left at five years, and he should have left at five years. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, he's a good coach. And uh, and uh, his he kind of had the same philosophy in coaching that you did. Is that he just when he talked to a player, just don't worry about the other guy. Just do your yeah, job. Yeah, just do your job. I remember in the point. And just cover the points. And I I could never get over how guys used to try to keep, cover each other for the points. Like one, they'd leave one point and go to the other one. And I and I just, just cover the point. That's all you have to do. And Bobby Schmutz was the guy that, that, that got me on that. Yeah, one thing with Belichick, though, Dad, like he's Boston guys are reporters are pretty tough. And he was kind of gruff with them all the time. He was gruff. And I thought... It's all right doing that when you're winning. But if you start doing that stuff when you're struggling, I don't think... And he still good. did it. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't change. And uh, I, I think the reporters were getting... They were getting a little... Uh, Let me put it this way to you, Tim. It was time for him to leave. Think he'll get another job? Oh, he'll... Are you kidding? 
What they're talking about him being going to Atlanta. Yeah. He, and and uh, he's, he, he'd be interviewed twice there. Cindy and Dad, we'd like to thank our sponsors, NorthStarBets.com. It's a Canadian-owned and still one of the best places to play in Canada. They have everything you're looking for, slots, live dealer tables, sportsbook, with built-in sports betting insight and analysis. And listeners who already have an account with Spreads.ca don't have to do anything. Just sign in to NorthStarBets.com. It's not available in Ontario. We'd like to thank North Star Bets for a very successful contest they had for one of you. Listeners could win one of Dad's jackets on Coach's Corner. We'll get in more information on the winner as it comes. We've run into a bit of technical difficulty, so we won't be able to answer any more of your questions on this podcast. So what we're going to do is run a grapevine show of Jerry Cheevers. Jerry played with Dad in Rochester, and then Jerry was his goalie in Boston when Dad was coaching the Bruins. So here we are, the Don Cherry Grapevine Podcast with Jerry Cheevers. We've come a long way since Rochester, eh? Well, an awful long way, Grapes. You only went about 90 miles down the road, but we've been <laughs> traveled around. I should say one thing right now. This year, Jerry Eamon, a great American League player, Don Cherry, an American League player, and uh, myself are being inducted into the Rochester Americans Hall of Fame, and it's a privilege to go in the same year as you. All right, that's pretty good, eh? Jerry, I got a... The guy put it in, he says, you're not going in for your playing. He says, you're going in for your coaching. I mean, that hurt, I'll tell you that. I'm a good player. Oh, I played in front of you. I was a pretty good guy. I mean, a few times you get hit in the... You were a good guy. Yeah. I not, can't argue that. Yeah. Not a good player, eh? You're I not going to say, say anything. It. I said you were a good guy. I could fight, though. Yes, you could. I the greatest could. fight I ever saw, you and uh, Spider Mazer. I, I couldn't believe it. I, that was my first year of pro, maybe my second. You hit each other over the head with the sticks. Yeah. You both in getting stitched up together. I says, I got an, another 19 years of this to go through. <laughs> I think I was about 25. That was a good one. Remember Red Baron? said, now you remember the Red Baron. Oh, yeah. I uh, I'd gone through my whole junior career First couple of years of pro without a serious injury. Uh, my wife presented me with a child the night before, a premature child, weighed six pounds, very tough night, and I never went to bed all night. And the first shift down the ice, Red Berenson was a great American League player. He comes down in grapes. And I wasn't sharp that night. And uh, usually when a player comes down on grapes, I felt I had to be sharp to bail us out. <laughs> and anyway, he danced around grapes like I expected and let a routine shot go and I missed it and that was the first time I got seriously injured. I lost all my teeth and 40 stitches. And I want to thank you or else I would have oh, been that's a good. <laughs> I would never been a complete hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Crow made you go back, didn't he? Joe Crozier? I got stitched up and finished the game. Yeah, stitched up, knocked all the You got in. benched. I got benched. Well, what else is new? <laughs> remember, remember the next day he wanted you to practice. I go in and you said, go in grapes and ask them if, if I have to practice. Well, the old Crow, Joe Crozier, we're talking about, our coach, who was a great, great coach, yeah. I thought. Uh, he had some funny ways. I made you go out, back out and practice. Pitt Martin, another one. I mean, I, I, I that remember. That was the safest thing in the world for me, though. I never yeah. got hit in practice. Oh, you're not kidding. We'll talk about that a little oh, later. Oh, How about Pitt Martin? That, that was a scary one, though. I have yeah. to admit this one. That was one of the worst injuries I've ever had in hockey. Uh, once again, Pitt Martin was coming down the ice in the American League, and he was about to either go around or through Don Cherry. I couldn't figure out what at the time. And I thought he was going to go around, and I was prepared for that, but he went through him. 
And I reached out to grab the puck, and my hand slipped out of my glove, and he skated right over my hand. And uh, I think I was out for a good two or three months there. It was a terrible injury. And now, what do you love best? And I'm going to throw this one at you. And what do you love best? I know back when you played, what you love. You love the horses, or do you love hockey the best? Well, I love them both equal. We'll put it that way. It's uh, I, I've. They've gone both together with me all my life, and I enjoy them both. It's, uh, if I didn't enjoy them, I wouldn't be there. Royal Ski, what a horse. Uh, you're the only guy that ever jinxed him. Yeah. I had a champion horse. Royal Ski had a champion horse, and Grapes, he isn't a horse player or horse better or anything like that. And this horse uh, should have been two-year-old champion of the year. He won seven out of eight races. And the only day he lost was the day that Grapes bet $50 on it, right? <laughs> said it's a sure thing, a oh, sure thing, and he lost. I'll never forget that. Remember, Harry, I couldn't tell you the day of the game or something, and Harry, you tell him day of the game. You won, three, you won three races in a row, and I told you day of the game, and you won the three games, and the day I told you and you lost, that was my fault again. Harry was great for that now. What a team you played in, uh, in Oklahoma. What a team there, boy. My brother played on that team. He sure did, and uh, that was a great team. A lot of guys have gone on, uh, John Paul Parisi. Yeah. Cash, that was when I first discovered that Wayne Cashman was a great competitor and winner in that team. Uh, who else but Terry Crisp Terry was coaching Chris, in Glenn the NHL. Glenn Sather was uh, there. Teddy Irvine. Uh, I mentioned John Paul Parisi. Peter Panagako. That was a lot of fun. John Pronovo, 50-goal score. John Pronovo, 50-goal. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, boy, you got a good memory. I don't forget. What do you uh, think? I'm a pretty face around well, that here was, or what? Uh, <laughs> you got a good memory. Yeah. <laughs> He wants me to comment on his tie. That's, that's a nice tie, Don. Thank you very much. Not what you said before. No. No, you knew played. Uh, I used to, when we get up 6-1, and we did used to get up 6-1, you were in the net, I, I used to go nuts because I knew we were going to have in a heart attack any time now. But you never cared about your average, eh? It was always the wins. And what was the record? Now, I want you to tell a record that you set in the National Hockey League. Uh, I didn't set any record. The team well, I played on set a record. All right, that's don't a, give it that one. We, we went 30, 33 games without losing. And this is no kidding. Uh, of course, you had... Uh, uh, Robert was playing at the time. And I can tell you a story about that record. We went 33 games without losing, and we had first place cinch, and we were getting ready for the playoffs, and our coach, Tom Johnson, uh, decided that he'd rest Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito the night that the streak was broken, oh. and it was 4 nothing at the 10-minute mark. Well, so, that sounds like Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> Won't go any farther than that. But. Do you, uh, you remember that game at Philly, that overtime game? Remember that? That was... Uh, it's like two overtimes. Yeah, it? two overtimes. It was 10 to 1. I think he had about 16. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. That's what it, when it ended. Something oh, like the time, that. Yeah. Oh, not 10 to 1. <laughs> I know we missed last he, call. And it really bugs me. You couldn't get to the barn times, right. right? That really bothered me. But you remember that game? Uh, that, was, that was an unbelievable game. Yeah, and it was an up and down game for two overtimes also. And uh, we're lucky. I think uh, Terry O'Reilly scored the winning yeah, goal. I put him on. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was your win, no doubt about it. That was one of the that was one of the fun hockey games I played in too. Because anytime you win, in, uh, we've all won and lost in overtime, but it's really really nice to win. It was nice to beat Philly too, because uh, mm -hmm. remember they were the guys that uh, put you out, and they were the Broad Street bullies. Did we show those guys the next three years? We certainly did. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on when I got there. How much you guys hated Philly. But remember the uh, Canada Cup uh, back in '76. Uh, now it had to be one of your favorite times. Tell us if, uh, about how you drove the, the coaches nuts. Well, I, I <laughs> that was 76 and as we all know Bobby played in that series and you know all the best players and I could never make a team like that. I was asked to go and uh, you have to practice hard and I was not a great practice player as, 
as Don That's knows. putting it mildly, but go mildly, ahead. Right. And Don knew that, and he was one of the coaches, and I'm sure that Don wanted me to play and understood me, but the other coaches, Scotty Bowman and Bobby Crum, I think oh, it was. and Al McNeil. And Al McNeil, they just couldn't believe that this guy, I could ever be there, too, and, and he, he was... He used to steer the pucks into the net for the... And uh, <laughs> we, uh, Don always backed me in all their meetings ahead, and he must have had meetings every day, and Bobby Crum, he just couldn't take it anymore, so he decided to practice tip-ins with me and Goal. And I just fired my gloves and sticks at him and walked off. Yeah, I, I couldn't a, take it anymore. But and needless to say, I went through the whole series as the backup goalie, with chief cheerleader, and I never got in the game. That's all right. You had but that, it was a lot of fun. Remember the game when Sittler set the record in Toronto? What did he get, 11 points or something mm -hmm. like that? You were the backup goalie. That was Poor my Davey first Re game dress when I come back from yeah. the little hockey. Yeah. Poor Davey Reese. Yeah. Uh, Davey Reese was a nice, nice guy. And, uh, I think after, his last game. Yeah, that was his last game he ever played. <laughs> I looked down at him. It was about the eighth goal. And I looked at Jerry, and I went like that to Jerry, and he put a towel over his head and went down like that. <laughs> but you come back the next night, we shut out Detroit. I, I never forgot that. Uh, tell us about the WHA. A lot of strange things. You played for Cleveland, right? Yeah. Besides getting the big dole there, a lot of strange things went on there. Well, I love the WHA. Really, it gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of different you players. You played great against the Russians in that series. You are the most valuable player. Yes, it was. It's, uh, against uh, the goalie had to be that there, believe me, to, to survive. <laughs> But uh, I met a lot of new friends in the WHA, and it was a different competition. It's uh, usually in NHL, most practice were optional, and, and uh, I think of the first couple of years, the games were optional for a lot of players. Uh, <laughs> first game, I'll never forget, we went in there, and I walked in, and I went in to have my usual in-between in -between period cigarette, and four guys were having hot dogs. Right? <laughs> I said, this is going to be somewhat of a country club feeling, but... <laughs> It, it was maybe, but, but not really. It, it, it served a great purpose in hockey, the WHA, because there's some franchises. But I should tell one story that uh, uh, Sports Illustrated come to me after the first game of the WHA, and Cleveland did play the first game. And they said, what is the big difference in the WHA and the NHL? And I said, well, from my, where I see it, being a goaltender, Every time I look and see number four going up the ice, it's not Bobby Orr, it's Ralph Hopavari. <laughs> uh, uh, Ralph was a very good, good kid, played in our team, tried very hard, but obviously he wasn't a Bobby Orr. And his parents sent letters oh, to him. Oh, they were after you and everything. Oh. They, they pick it I up, don't worry. Said, you try to be funny and it jumps back at you. Yeah, remember George Plimpton? Oh, I loved him. He's a great man. He, he was, remember Seaweed was... Uh, uh, and you guys scared the life photo in the poor bugger? Yeah, well, George Plimpton wrote a story on the Bruins. Poor what? Bugger. He's a fighter in England, isn't he? Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, okay. So, Plimpton wanted to do a story in the Bruins, and for some reason he got to read a uh, room with this great character we had, Jim Petty, called Seaweed. He wanted, he was going to play goal in, a, in an exhibition game in Philly for five minutes, yeah. and Don put him in with, with uh, Jimmy Petty, who was a great favorite of all ours, right? So, we used to go to this bar similar to the Grapevine here and hang out after practice. And uh, Cash and I led the troops in there, and, uh, and he wanted to be all part of it, so we got in there. And one thing led to another. We had a very good session that night, drinking beer. And in fact, we had the lacrosse sticks out playing lacrosse in the middle of the bar. It was an awful evening. Just a normal night for normal, the Bruins. Normal training camp evening, and uh, Plimpton said I had to leave. This is a quarter to one. We, we knew that Don wouldn't be checking curfew that night for whatever reason. And, uh, I was afraid what I'd find. Yeah, yeah right. And he says, we got, I got to go home because young Jim Petty is a rookie and uh, you know, I don't want to wake him up and bother him. He's trying to make the team. And we said, ah, don't worry about it. He says, no. So he left. So he snuck in, opened the door. 
crawled into bed, never made a sound, and was peacefully sleeping. And about 5.30 in the morning, in comes Seaweed Patty. Hi, George. <laughs> How are you? And everything like that. But George continued on. <laughs> and I'm the coach. Can you yeah, imagine that? I didn't know that was going but, on. Uh, we had uh, George played a period for us, stopped a penalty shot by uh, Reggie Leach. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure it was in the satchel or straight up, but it was a, a good effort. And uh, he went in to get undressed. And then we had the biggest brawl in history of, of hockey. It was really a probably an insult to hockey too and poor George who wanted to do anything to write about it was in the restroom in the shower right that was uh, it's the he, biggest disappointment of his life right tell you the truth um, <laughs> practice the worst practice player in the world he used to steer the pucks into the net you remember that remember the time I uh, almost uh, had you going there once well if we ever got divorced it would have had, would have, had to have been this time uh, we had a week off we had won the bye one first place in a bye and Grape said to me you don't have to come for practice for the whole week and I said, well, you know, I got to practice. I'm coming. He says, no, don't go, because he knew I'd ruin practice. The players hated me in practice and everything. And uh, I said, I'm going. He says, you, no, I don't want you there till Friday. Take a good skate and go play the games. Anyway, I showed up. We warmed up in a little bit. And he called all the players to center ice. And he said, you get down the net. And obviously, we were going to scrimmage. And he, I heard him talk, uh, say something to the players. And there was a little chuckle and all that. And I, I really didn't uh, apprehend what was going on. And, all of a sudden, Peter McNabb come down a breakaway, and Peter's a pretty good goal scorer, and he hit me in the stomach, and he raised his arms. And it didn't hit me yet, then Terry Riley came down, and Terry likes to deke and dive, and he shot into my pads and uh, uh, raised his arm for a goal. And I still couldn't figure it out. Then finally I figured out that Cherry told them at center ice, if they hit me, it'd count as a goal in scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> I threw my gloves and stick at him. It was the closest we came to divorce. Yeah, that's true. I true. But, you know, I remember the time I left you in Buffalo. Remember that time? Oh, it was what a genius move on my part. Well, we had a big game in Buffalo yeah. on a, a particular evening, and we played somewhere else the night before, and he was going to play the other goaltender the night before, and I was going to play the game in Buffalo. So he sent me by myself uh, a little early <laughs> the night before to get a good rest, and that's really a bad play on his part. And I got in there, and I thought I'd go have a couple of beers and got paralyzed, needless to say. <laughs> <laughs> Never stopped a puck the next night. We got beat 8-1, yeah, that another, was the end of that Nice system. move on my part. Yeah. How about uh, the story about Bobby in Oakland? Oh, that was, that was a great story. This is a, a, Bobby is, we all know, and even his teammates, you know, he was the greatest player to play the game, and we're killing a penalty. Eddie Jay was playing goal that time, and I was on the bench and was right next to the Oakland Seal bench, and Bobby got a, was killing the penalty, and he liked to rag the puck uh, at all, and uh, he got it, and he circled our net, went up uh, the right boards, and one of the Oakland players hit him and, he, and, and knocked Bobby's glove off, but he still controlled the puck, went down inside their blue line, circled around, back around our net. No one could believe what he was doing because he really gave up an opportunity of a scoring chance. Circled our net. The Oakland players started picking him up, picking him up. Finally, he come bolting down the door, uh, the right side, stopped, picked up his glove, went in and scored a goal. I looked up, <laughs> and our bench was crazy. It was a true story. But the, the best part of the story was, even though our, our bench was in a frenzy, the Oakland bench was up cheering, too, so I, <laughs> I knew we were in good shape. Tell us a quick story about Bobby Hall, the way he used to come down and blast him. Got to be oh quick, Oh, my though. God. You know, thank God I had three or four sets of underwear. I would never got through the games. <laughs> he was scary, Bobby, uh, Bobby Hall was. And we were two men short, and uh, I always told my defenseman, like Bob or someone like that, I'd say, you take the short side, I'll take the long side. 
So the hull was on the point with Pierre Platt on the other side. He'd pass it to Hull, and I'm supposed to take the middle of the net, and the defenseman, uh, say Bobby or Teddy Green or someone, would take the short side. But I always cheat a little bit, and I'd be right behind them. And he shot one, and I always left my stick there. I could handle my stick pretty good, and I tipped it off the glass, went back to Platt, back to uh, Hull again. And he walked in a step closer. <laughs> and finally, I, the defense is moving the way. To make a long story short, this happened, short, this happened four times. The fifth time, I was tumbling over my defenseman in the corner of the ice, of the rink, and he hit it. He had to get it high because I was stopping all the loans. He put it right through the crossbar, through the press box. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't in the netting, Toby. I was in the corner. Put it there, right. Jerry boy. Let it go. Yeah. You don't work there. Let's go.